Athletic. I will leave the club at the end of the season. All right, Reds, Tony Evans here at Walk On, your Liverpool podcast from The Athletic. Well, we woke up this morning thinking, how great is this? Klopp 2.0. And then all of a sudden it's Klopp. Oh. Yeah, so Jürgen's leaving and he's going to stand down at the end of the season. Here to react to this massive news, we have James Pearce and Ollie Kay. But as usual, let's start with the three words. Ollie, have you got three words on a day like this? That you, Shabby? <laughs> James... Doubters to believers. Oh, yeah. Well, let's see what they're saying over at the Walk On Podcast Facebook group, where, obviously, there's an element of disappointment going on there. Ed Spencer, what a legacy. Tim Miggall, build a statue. John Lilly, gutted. Thankful, tearful. Map Vorbach, dry January ruins. <laughs> and what can I say? Oh, no, I don't even... I, really, I don't know what to say. I'm so shocked. To join our community of listeners on Facebook, just search Walk On Podcast and join the group. James, I didn't see it coming at all. No, I don't think I don't think you were alone there. It's an, an, you know, an absolute bombshell. I couldn't quite believe it when that first message landed this morning. Yeah, I think especially in the context of where Liverpool are at at the moment, because you kind of, you know, after the dark days of last season and then all the work that went in, to getting them back on track and just you can you've seen this season how much Klopp has been energized and certainly from the outside looking in how much he's he's been loving as he what he described himself as Liverpool 2.0 and the fact that we're in the back end of January and still in contention for four trophies you kind of thought the Klopp reign is well and truly back on track and I expected him to still be in the job until 2026. I didn't, I, I don't think, I, I never thought he'd go beyond 2026. And yeah, it's, this is the day that Liverpool fans knew was, was going to come eventually and one that they as long since dreaded, but no one expected it to come quite so soon. Yeah, Ollie, I mean, a year ago, you would have gone, oh, well, there you go. Even in the summer when we didn't know what the midfields was going to look like, it was like, oh, a fear for Jürgen this season. But, you know, at top of the league, Cushing over City, reach the Carabao Cup final. You think, oh yeah, a squad full of youth and ambition, talent. You know, Jürgen, hang around for a year or two. Yeah, I'm like James, I definitely didn't see that coming. I've I've been sort of messaging various people and contacts and so on um, over the course of the day and trying to get some kind of background on it as James will have been doing even more so. And I'm getting a slight sense of people saying, oh yeah, it's not, it's not really all that surprising with hindsight, but I'm like you. I, I it wouldn't have surprised me at all. Sort of midway towards the, midway through last season, or towards the end of last season, if you'd said, "No, do you know what? I, I, I need to, I need to go and re-energize." This has been this has been wonderful, but I thought the way he's looked energized this season, it's looked like somebody who was energized until 2026. I mean, that's when his contract expires. That's when I expected him to to stay until, but. The interesting thing now is looking at it in the context of before that last contract, he was talking about leaving in 2024. He felt that by that time he would have he would be ready to go and ready to take a break. And I guess despite signing that contract, despite the clear uh, 
you know, re-energizing of of the of this season. He's he's sticking with that, isn't he? And he and he's and he's feeling twenty twenty four is is the time to go. I was a bit surprised to see James that his whole staff's leaving as well. What does that signify? Uh, well, I think it signifies that they see themselves as one unit, and that and that it would have been very difficult to try and carry on without Klopp being there. I, I suppose the only surprise for me was part of me wondered if Pep Linders might have been in the mix to be Klopp's successor with just how highly I know the owners think of him, you know, how much the players enjoy working with him. You know, he's essentially responsible for the day-to-day training regime, but also Pep Linders has got a managerial aspirations of his own. And if, you know, if he didn't think he was going to be the, the next man, then of course the time is right for him to go. Vital Matos has got managerial aspirations as well. So, yeah, and I think also it's probably a dose of realism that if the club are going to go, you know, they're going to go and get, you know, say it is Zabi Alonso or De Zerbi, who are obviously the two the two main names at the minute in the frame. Of course, either of those guys are going to want their own people around. So um, it does make sense, I think, because, you know, you don't want to be someone else's man, do you, on the, you know, in terms of the staff. And they have been just so closely aligned with everything Klopp has achieved over the last eight and a half years. So, um, yeah, not not a big shock for me that, that it is all of them rather than just Klopp. Hey everyone, it's Sam here. I am surprised by the timing of this announcement, but um, I'm not surprised by the decision. Coming up to nine years in charge at Liverpool, which is an awfully long time for any manager, but particularly managing Liverpool. And, I mean, I do believe... What he's saying is true, is that the sort of the strain of the job and the pressures of the job are so immense that, you know, it, it takes its toll. He's also won nearly everything there is to win as a Liverpool manager. Um, he could actually complete the full set if he wins the Europa League in, the, uh, in May. He leaves the club in a much better state than when he arrived. Although there will be things for, for the the manager who succeeds him to solve. It's certainly become a, a sort of a Klopp-led operation as the years have progressed. In the immediate term, I think I think that it will galvanise the Liverpool fan base and they'll be more determined than ever to to go out on the high level. Unilateral you, you backing, not, not that he didn't have that anyway, but I, I think it'll be highly charged inside Anfield pretty much every game uh, from here. As for who comes in next, I mean... I can't believe for one second that if FSG knew about this in in November, October, November time, that they haven't been coming up with uh, alternatives to Klopp over the months that have followed. Uh, this is just my view. I mean, I can see why Chabi Alonso is favourite. He's still very young into his managerial career, but he's he certainly made an impression at Bayer Leverkusen and given it his connections with the club and his not just his collection his connection but his certainly his understanding of the club and the city he will be first choice I think at this stage I think that the, the sort of the requirement for being Liverpool manager has changed since Jürgen Klopp came in given that he achieved what he set out to do which was win the Premier League I think in the past you're looking for foreign managers who've done in their country what Liverpool were trying to do maybe it's a bit different now there's not as many of those sort of managers about Alonso would be Certainly first choice. I can understand the conversation around Roberto De Zerbi, but he, he hasn't won a trophy at Brighton and it's a much bigger step up Liverpool to Brighton, I think, certainly as a manager. I mean, it, it's a difficult decision. I think anybody replacing Jürgen Klopp or certainly Pep, Pep Guardiola, I think it's almost impossible to do that. And I think it's going to take a bit of time 
for whoever comes in to bed in. And I think there needs to be some patience amongst the Liverpool fan base um, over the, the months and certainly the year that follows. But um, as Jurgen Klopp proved, you know, it takes time to, to get your ideas across. I think what Liverpool fans will want is not, not, not instant success, but signs of progression. Uh, signs of an identity and whoever comes in can if, if whoever comes in can show that then I think they'll be on the right path Ollie, the timing you know going into the last third of the season is it going to be brought up referenced after every game you know every little slip up mistakes out because Klopp's leaving and we all know what players are like the terrible ones for pointing the finger if things start to go wrong I mean, does this give them a ready-made excuse? Or will they want to see Klopp go out as a hero and give everything? It can go one of two ways, can't it? I mean, I, I, I was reporting on Manchester United back in 2002 when, when Ferguson was, was initially talking about retiring then and he, he had long flagged that as re- his retirement date. That final season or what was to be his final season in 2001 2 ended up feeling like a sort of Ferguson farewell tour and his imminent departure hung over everything. And he, I remember he said after he had decided not to retire after all and to put it off for oh, what, just another 11 years, he said that he thought the players had sort of hidden, hid behind it and some of them had put the tools down because they thought, well, this is all coming to an end. And I mean, I, it's hard to know really how, how that works. And I don't think the... You know, I don't think that was a, a dressing room of shirkers by any means, but nor's this one. I mean, it, it can go, it can go, it can go that way. I think there are numerous examples of it going that way, and people talking about you know a manager whose departure has been flagged can be sort of a lame duck. I think that applies more really if if they've got nothing to play for at the end of a season and and they're just sort of coasting and and you know mid table and dr- just just drifting through the final months of a season i think in this case you've got a team in a in a title in a title race they're still com- uh, competing in all three cups so liverpool have got all to play for there's no excuse to sort of hide behind Klopp's departure or suddenly start worrying oh what will the new manager make of me um i'd better keep something in, in reserve for next season i don't think there's any scope what whatsoever for that i think there's I think it can affect maybe contract talks and stuff like that and, and planning over the club's future. But it, it really should, if anything, I would say, galvanise a team when they're, when they're competing on four fronts. And James, that leads us neatly on to the question of Trent, Virgil van Dijk and Salah, their contracts. What impact will this have on, on them? I mean, I must admit it worries me. Yeah, well, there's, it, it certainly adds to the uncertainty, doesn't it? Because... Um, you know, probably lost amidst all the fallout from today was Liverpool confirming what we pretty much already knew anyway, but the confirmation that Jörg Schmadke will leave as sporting director at the end of January. You know, we knew that he was only ever a stopgap. And, you know, when, when we wrote about the contract situations of Van Dijk, Salah and Alexander-Arnold recently, we said those players had kind of been told that it will be the next guy that comes in that essentially takes that on. But of course, if you're, a, if you're an elite player like that, you want to know, don't you? You want to know you know, where is the club heading? What is the what is the direction? What is the plan? What's the vision? So that's why I think, you know, Liverpool do need to to move fast. In a way, they've got time because, you know, Klopp doing it now, where obviously, you know, I think it was very important to him to be able to be able to like control it and put it out on his terms rather than the news leaking out. And it was obviously a very closely guarded secret with only 
few people at the senior level of the club knowing about it. But Liverpool do need to get, you know, to, to really crack on with this. They need a new sporting director. They need a new manager. And they need, you know, that in place so that, yeah, they can deal with things like the, the Salah Van Dijk and Alexander-Arnold contract situations. Because, um, yeah, you, it is very rare, isn't it, to have three such influential elite players all inside their last 18 months. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Have your say and get involved by emailing walk-on at theathletic.com. So, presumably, Ollie, the search for a successor has already begun. Did I see somebody saying today that the search starts now? I, thought I would find that surprising or slightly disconcerting if if they've known since November. I think if I think ideally, the search you, you would already have a plan, you would already have a succession strategy, and that that would have been accelerated in November, and then and it wouldn't be it wouldn't be about anything starting now. To me, there there are bigger questions. I mean, obviously. Klopp's departure is is really going to bring this into um, the forefront of things, but and and then you've got those three big contract issues that we mentioned. But Liverpool obviously lost. When was it? When Michael Edwards said he was leaving? Was two that, years ago. Yeah, two years ago. Then it's over a year since Julian Ward started serving his notice, and Liverpool have ended up with a with a stopgap. York Schmacker at a time when it's now become clear. They really needed somebody to be working on a succession plan, developing what that strategy is, maybe putting feelers out. I don't know who's going to particularly take take care of that. I mean, if it's Mike Gordon and, I don't know, John Henry, Tom... Well, he did so well selling the club, didn't he? (laughs) It feels to me like maybe the Liverpool of two years ago, three years ago, when they had Michael Edwards and when they had a sort of much clearer leadership structure in place and more, had a sort of long-term football plan in place, Liverpool at that point and had had all their players on big long-term contracts would have been better equipped to maybe go forward and address this than than maybe the Liverpool of today. And I think I think it just, there are huge challenges now, I think, with, with all of these things coming at once and you don't know who's going to take care of them. Yeah, James, I mean, the, the vacuum of power, I mean, when Klopp arrived, that triumvirate of Gordon, Edwards and Klopp it worked really well together. They balanced each other's weaknesses out and they, you know, a- amplified each other's strengths. But since Edwards went, there's been a focusing of power on Jürgen, which may not have helped, I think, is exhaustion, you know, the state he's in and um, wants to leave. And suddenly we find ourselves in a, I, I mean, I'd say the parallels more with Wenger and Ferguson when they left than what Fenway always wanted, you know, sort of way you could take a manager out and put a manager in and you've got a framework and infrastructure that will keep on running smoothly. 
Yeah, no, I, I agree. I agree. I think, you know, there was Klopp said himself, didn't he, earlier on today, he said, you know, my role here was a pretty dominant one. I've just got back from his press conference at Kirby where he, he kind of said, you know, I knew that I was always going to have to be the one that took this decision because he said, I knew I was never, I was never going to get sacked. It was always going to have to be my decision when the time was right. And and part of that is because he, you know, over time, and of course he's earned it, it hasn't just been given to him, but he's become this vast influential figure across all areas of the club, which you're right, must be, must be exhausting. And I'm sure has contributed to like feeling the sheer intensity of the job for having done it for what, eight and a half years. And yeah, this will be like a reset, won't it? Because I think with a new sporting director coming in, uh, a new manager as well, you know, that balance, I think, will probably go back to the way it was with the kind of Klopp-Edwards dynamic, if you like, when when Edwards first got that, that top job. I mean, it was interesting as well, listening to Klopp, because Alex Ferguson's name came up a few times at the press conference, and he... Because he was he was told about Ferguson famously obviously changed his mind didn't he announced that he was going to be leaving and then decided to stay put and Klopp said absolutely no chance he said you know there is no U turn I've told everyone that there is absolutely nothing that can change my mind and also on Ferguson of course he 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 had a big hand in picking his successor with David Moyes taking over and Klopp said there's absolutely no chance he's going to be getting involved in that he said you know. I think his quote was, you know, no one wants the old man who's about to walk out the door given given his say, which I'm not quite sure that's true. I think FSG would probably quite like to tap into to his football expertise another time. But um but yeah, I think he is adamant that, you know, there is no going back from this. There does seem to be a lack of expertise, football expertise, advising Fenway at the moment. Hopefully I'm wrong, but I mean, we've seen that in the past. I, I thought that was well behind us, Ollie. You know, it's uh, some fellow from Philadelphia and a couple of bloggers are telling Fenway the best route to go. And we got Brendan Rodgers. It's brilliant. It worked. Um, now, hopefully they've learned enough to never go back there. Never go back there. But it, it, it is. It, it's one of the, the primary concerns for me. And, you know, you would think the players as well. Looking at it, and they'll go well. Who's going to be in charge? Who's going to be running the show? And that needs to be established pretty quickly. I would have thought, at least internally. I don't know how they will go about that. You know, if you look at, at a sporting director appointment and a manager stroke head coach appointment, I don't know how they how they go about it. Do they? Do they yeah, go? Who employs them? Who's, who gives advice on them? Are they going to sporting directors and potential sporting directors and saying, look, you know, can you bring your coach with you? Who do you recommend? Do you reckon you can? come as a package type thing. I don't know. I mean, not necessarily from the same club. I just don't know how they'll, how they'll do it. I know when, you know, when Newcastle um, were taken over and they had sort of pretty, pretty much a, a blank canvas there and they, they actually point, appointed the manager, Eddie Howe, before the sporting director, Dan Ashworth, and it's worked out pretty well in terms of, in terms of their well, first you say years that, that you say that, but Unai Emery was all, all, almost ready to mm. go there and dropped out essentially because when he was interviewed, they had no football person there. And he's yeah, like, well, yeah. who am I going to be reporting to? And he's like, yeah. uh, and you know what? If Unai Emery goes in there, Newcastle in the top four again this year, um, you need someone who knows the game. You need someone who's got credibility when you're interviewing people. You do. Otherwise you can end up in a situation that, you know, Man United were in when they went for 
Klopp back, back in, was it 2013, 2014? And you had Ed Woodward persuading him, oh, come here, it's like Disneyland. Um, which, um, yeah, that you, 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 can, you can really imagine Jurgen Klopp being impressed by, by that. Um, it's essential that they can sell a vision to whoever they're whoever the new manager or head coach is going to be. But it, you also need somebody to sell a vision to whoever's going to sell a vision. Whoever the visionary is going to be, you've got to appoint them. And ideally, Liverpool would have had that person in place and would have had a sort of constant, ongoing, long-term strategy there to, to build upon. But in fact, they've not really... The, the last two two years, they've been incredibly reliant on Klopp to pull things together and, 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 and to be the, the visionary and to be the salesman and to be the manager and to be the coach and to be everything. And yeah, that might, that might actually have been a, a factor in why, why he feels ready to leave. James, I expected in late January, doing the pod, to be beating you up in a comedic sense over the lack of signings and blaming you for it all. I didn't expect to be blaming you for the manager departing. And like, you know, and... <laughs> And, and I want to know who's next now, now. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it's interesting because from the people I've spoken to today, even though the Klopp first mentioned it to the ownership in November, from all the information I've got, that it is a case of the search starting now. That I get, I get the impression that there's been a period where it was almost, well, look, you know, take some time, think about it, and probably, you know, hoping that he would think differently but then obviously reached a point where Klopp was like no 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 this this is happening and I want it out there so I have been told that it does start now and that they haven't spoken to anyone yet of course Sabi Alonso is the favorite I think he has to be for a number of reasons the biggest one being obviously the job he's done at Leverkusen I know it's I know you get the flip side of that is it's still quite a relatively small body of work but you know in terms of what someone's doing right here and now he has to be a serious candidate. Also, obviously adored by Liverpool fans, that emotional tie of him being part of the, the Champions League winning team in 2005. When you look a bit further afield, you know, I think De Zerbi, when, when you look at what he's done at Brighton, he has to be in the mix as well. You know, and obviously we, we kind of thought that when this job came up eventually, that, you know, Steven Gerrard's name would be banded around, but it's, it's difficult to see that being a serious option after what happened to him at Villa and then since going to, to Saudi Arabia. But I think I think I, I I think they'll go down the route of I think a sporting director will come in first and then and then a new manager. I think I think that will be the kind of sequence that we that we see. I mean I you know, I suppose if he did mention it to them in November and you know, no wonder they've been in, in denial because things have been going so well. You know, I'd be thinking though how maybe he'll change his mind. But uh, waiting to start the search until the removals van pulls up outside his house is a bit extreme <laughs> for me. Ah, it, well, James has just mentioned Javi Alonso, and he's on all our minds. But let's hear what they're thinking in Germany from Seb Stafford Bloor. Yeah, this is a huge story in Germany too. Jurgen Klopp remains ever so popular here. He's been gone for almost 10 years, but it, it's really interesting because actually if you watch German Sky around any sort of sporting content, uh, whether it's before or after uh, or in between, Klopp will generally star on at least one advert per advert break. Uh, he's either 
selling vice beer or uh, exercise equipment or financial services. He has this relationship with the German public that no other sporting figure really does. And it's it's interesting to to watch that. And Jabby Alonso, obviously former Liverpool great, iconic figure, um, and is proving to be a very, very talented manager in his own right. He's leading Leverkusen, you know, to what he hopes will be their first Bundesliga title. And he was asked in his press conference, um, Leverkusen are playing Gladbach at the weekend. He was asked about um, Klopp, and he, he spoke of his admiration for him, of course, and, and everything that he respects about Klopp's achievements in England and in the Bundesliga. Um, he was asked whether it's something that interests him, but he, he was he played a pretty determinedly straight bat. At the moment, I am really happy here. I am enjoying my work here. I am feeling that uh, the, each day it's, it's a challenge. Each game is a challenge, and we are on a in an intense but in a beautiful journey here in, in Leverkusen. And I am trying to give my best to help my my players be ready for for the next thing. And that's that's my goal. What will come in next one? I don't know. You're listening to Walk On, brought to you by The Athletic. Well, let's have some more reactions. Here's, here's Kiva O'Neill. She's been down to Anfield to see what you know everyone's thinking and doing there. I should imagine the whole emotion of the city is focused on the ground. Well, I got back to Liverpool this afternoon, headed around the city, chatting to different people and obviously up to Anfield. And yeah, the mood is a... A weird one, really. Quite eerie, in a way. Just feels like something's changed, because of course it has. Jurgen Klopp is leaving Liverpool. You know, not just the club, but the city, the people. And it feels like, you know, a almost a, a difficult thing for fans to comprehend and understand. And most people that I'm chatting to, that's what they're saying and feeling. And you're seeing that on social media. You know, the reaction to, to this is one of sadness but of joy as well of what Jurgen Klopp's been able to accomplish and achieve at Liverpool you know taking the fans making them believe again after all those years of Liverpool not succeeding you know he's changed everything and the worry now is obviously the uncertainty which comes who replaces them and everything else but today from the city I think and this weekend you know you'll see that outpouring of love for a man who changed so much and you know you, I was standing by the Shankly statue and you know there'll definitely be one for Jürgen Klopp the one uh, the, the Shankly statue reads he made the people happy and you know what else could they write for Jürgen really I'm sure they'll come up with something else but that feels very fitting for him as well yeah so just a eerie but yeah eerie but weird experience Liverpool today and this weekend but I'm sure it'll be a celebration on Sunday against Norwich and then into that Chelsea game Arsenal Every game now is, you know, the first or the last of Jurgen Klopp. So everything's going to be special for these fans. Let's reflect on some of the good things Oli Dari, you know, Jurgen brought to us. He's been brilliant, hasn't he? Oh, he's been he's been absolutely incredible. I I put something on Twitter earlier with a piece I'd done for the Athletic and pointing out what a huge tough act to follow he will be. And somebody, presumably a fan of a rival club, said, "Oh." He's won one Premier League title, you know. And you think, right, yeah, he has won one, one Premier League title. He might win a second one this season. But to win the Premier League title and to win the Champions League from from the situation he inherited in 2015, which was a club 
kind of going nowhere really i mean they had they had some talented players but it was a club kind of going nowhere desperately short of belief desperately short of vision desperately short of everything really and to replace that very very quickly with a sort of sense that this club was really going places and obviously it improved every season and it improved with big signings like van dyke in particular but salah like allison fabinho etc but the big signing the the real catalyst for everything was Klopp's arrival. And from that point he arrived in 2015, it was just up and up and up and up. I mean, not up every week, because obviously they lost a few games along the way and there was the odd dodgy period. But the momentum that that built up was extraordinary. And it felt from it felt from a fairly early stage, this is really going places they will, they're, they're going to win the league this time. Which considering they were what they were up against in terms of Manchester City, Guardiola's Manchester City, Conte's Chelsea and, and Mourinho's Man United as it was uh, soon afterwards. The competition was enormous. They were starting from a long way back to win the Premier League again and to win it in the manner they did. Was it 99 points? It was absolutely astonishing to win the Champions League as well. And just the sense of good times all the time. The odd dark period last season, the odd dark period in early 2021. But it's been an incredibly high level for an incre- a long period of time. And you think, had it not been for the presence of Manchester City, you know, we'd be talking about something even more extraordinary. But I think you've got, I think rather than Manchester City's success taking the shine off what Klopp has done, I think it just, it puts it in an even more stark light, really, that he's managed to win the league in an era of what would otherwise have been the most dominant team in the Premier League era. And, you know, it's it's not over yet. They're, you know, it's top of the league now, Still fighting on another three fronts. You could see them winning the Carabao Cup against Chelsea in February and and go from there in terms of the rest. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, we talked earlier about, uh, you know, United's are offering them Disneyland. Unfortunately, he was parachuted into City Wales. And I don't think people <laughs> realise what the achievement of actually taking them on has been. I think it'll take another 10 years when people reflect on it. They'll go, wow, that was one of the most insane periods of football history. And, you know, it's a wonder anyone won anything during this period. I've said it, you know, so many times on this podcast and elsewhere. When, before Klopp came, I was talking to someone at City and I said, like, you know, well, you know, you're going to be the first team to win the, the league five times in a row. And they went, we're planning for 10. You know, and that's the sort of mentality, the juggernaut and the money that Klopp has come up against, James. And he stood toe-to-toe with them. And yes, we've lost a couple of the slugger matches, but when you're fighting the best heavyweight in the world and you're a bit undersized, that's going to happen. Yeah, well, just think how boring English football would have been without Klopp's Liverpool in this modern era, because it, it would have just been, as as most of the past decade has been in the Bundesliga, that, that one-sided I've had people say that to me today, you know, messages from fans of rival clubs, you know, one Premier League as if, like, like you know, people obviously desperate to dent his achievements. But what was it, 97 points and 93 points that they got on when they missed out by a point each time, especially within the context of FSG's self-sustaining business model with having to balance the books with the way in which he's promoted youth, the way in which he's elevated players to world-class status because he, you know, very rarely has he bought the finished article. It was only really Van Dyke and Allison that he that he actually bought off the the kind of the, the elite shelf. The rest have been a lot of players who who hadn't done it 
uh, at other clubs or uh, top clubs had taken a look at and decided it was you know that that player wasn't for them. Yet with his tactical nous and his man management and inspirational people skills, he, he's elevated them to this unbelievable status. And what yeah, when you think like Liverpool were tenth when he came in, you know I think Liverpool had been a Champions League club once in the previous six seasons. That was how far they'd fallen. You know, if someone had said then, you know, to was it three Champions League finals, you know, to win the Champions League, end that 30-year wait for the league title, the Club World Cup, the domestic cup double two seasons ago, and, and also the way in which he's done it with such style, with such ambition and energy and, and intensity to the way in which he's got his team playing and also to rebuild the team as well. Because I think it's a tricky one, isn't it? Because when you, when you kind of like, on the one hand, I think to myself, why would you walk away now? Because everything looks like it's set up for Liverpool to be successful in the coming years, with, especially when you look at how re- like refreshed and vibrant that squad, squad is. But then I think part of his decision is because the club is in a good place. And because I remember him talking last season about, he said he, he felt a duty to stay and put right what had gone wrong because he didn't want to leave Liverpool in a mess. And I think I think now he feels like everything is in place now for it to flourish. That he hasn't quite got the energy to kick it on beyond beyond May. But yeah, for for me the most inspirational and transformative figure I think in Liverpool's history since Bill Shankly. I think when you judge it based on what he inherited, where Liverpool were at as a club when he walked in, and what he's achieved during his tenure, I think. I think he deserves to be in that category. Yeah, I mean, and I'll tell you, Ali, what'd be really fitting. And this is send me into the dressing room. And I'll tell the players. I say, right, your gang of gits. The last time you won the league, the only time you won the league, there was no crowds in here. Make sure there's a crowd in here on the final day of the season for Jurgen. That's what I'd do. That'd be my rallying cry. The 2020 league title was clearly, you know, a huge achievement, but it wasn't. It felt in some ways like it wasn't a huge moment because of the pandemic. There was no fans in the ground. It was it was not what everybody had spent the previous um, decades imagining. There there are managers who wouldn't really care about that kind of thing. There are there are managers who don't particularly believe in the power of a crowd, and they believe more in the you know the the things they can affect on the pitch than, than, than the atmosphere and all of that. And Klopp, Klopp is very much a guy who believes in and embraces and harnesses the power of the power of a crowd. We've seen that many times. And I think he would, he would love to, he would love to win trophies in front of a crowd again. And, and to do it at Anfield, the only chance you get to do that at your home stadium is if you win the league. Because you know, otherwise it's finals on a on a neutral ground. But I look, win the league or not, I I, I think Man City is still favourites for that league title. But win the league or not, that occasion, that final game against um, Wolves at the end of the season is going to be a you know a really emotional one. I, I, I when I was writing this piece this morning, I was I watched back at the um, his farewell from Dortmund back in 2015, and it is really emotional. It's watching him there and watching him sort of standing in front of the yellow wall for the, the final time as Dortmund manager. And he probably thought he would never get that again after Mainz and after Dortmund. And he has found that bond at Liverpool. So I, I would I would think whatever happens, that game against Wolves in May will be will be huge. And if it's if it, if there's a big 
silver trophy on the on the sidelines, <laughs> it will be uh, it will be even more so. But um, yeah, I, I think winning this Premier League is going to be hard. Put it that way, James. It's too early to ask this, really. But how do we honour him? Do we build a statue to him? Do we name the ground after him? Just call it Club Football Club? I don't know. <laughs> Throw me an idea or two. Yeah, I, I, funny enough, I remember interviewing Stephen Gerrard after Liverpool won the title in 2020, and he, what the, the the best line from that was him saying, "FSG need to start building that statue now." And Klopp was asked about it the following week, and and was like saying, you know. Don't be sure. I don't need a statue, but I think he has to be recognised in in some way. Um, you know, Kenny's obviously got got his stand named after him. Um, you know, there's the Paisley Gates and the statue of Shankly there, and so yeah, it's. I think it's important to recognise him for what he's done because he he has been such a transformative figure. He's and it's the the bond that he's established. I mean, he, one of his standout lines today at the press conference was he said, you know, being made an honorary scouser was you know, one of the one of the biggest achievements of my life. And like it, it's quite unique, isn't it, for an outsider to create such an incredible rapport with everyone and galvanize everyone in the way he has done. And and that's why I think so many people will be hurting and feeling a sense of loss today because the thought of Liverpool without Jurgen Klopp at the helm does send a bit of a shiver down your spine because he is so integral to what that club has achieved over you know nearly a decade. Yeah, well, I'm going to round up the Walk on Liverpool podcast brought to you by The Athletic with my thoughts on it. Where does Jurgen stand in the pantheon of Liverpool managers? And he certainly stands up with the two who also give us shock, resignations and Kenny Dalglish and Bill Shankly the two most significant figures in the club's history. And I put Jürgen third. And this, that's despite Bob Paisley, who Paisley won more trophies and Paisley was obviously the superior manager to them all. But what Paisley didn't do, he didn't connect with the city. He didn't connect the political, social and emotional beliefs of the cop and the crowd. And Jürgen has done that. When when I interviewed him during COVID, he said, to, I asked him about that, that connection with the club. I said, did you know you'd have it? And he said, no, no, he said, I didn't. He said, if I would have known the demands, that that sort of stuff, that Shankly-esque stuff and that um, Dalglish stuff had, was going to bring to me, he said, wouldn't have come. He said, I didn't, but he did. And so, Jürgen, I'm still annoyed with you for leaving and I'll be annoyed with you for the rest of the year, but you're up there in the top three for me. So that's all from Walk On, your Liverpool podcast brought to you by The Athletic. James will be at Anfield on Sunday for our After Match pod and as Klopp's long farewell begins. And we'll be talking a lot more about this, I would have thought, as the weeks go by. The Athletic.